Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. Time for a day after and game day edition of Flyers Daily. And we can exhale and celebrate. Here's the highlights. Here's Travis Konechny, hits the line, left wing pass. Kevin Hayes with a shot, he scores! Kevin Hayes over the blocker of Varlamov. And there it is, the Flyers less than two minutes in. Take the one other lead. Hayes, he's got onside with Konechny in front. Took the shot himself, he scores! Another one by Hayes in the same spot. He's got a man in the goal mouth. What a save by Carter Hart. He got that left pad down to Rob Bavillier. Another shot off of Bavillier's stick is covered up by Hart. Those are the saves that keep your team in the game. Into the New York zone, trying to dipsy do by a man, got by him, took the shot, he scores! And Couturier finally gets off the schneid. His first goal of the playoffs, it's 3-0 Philadelphia. Flyers can't find it, Couturier does, and he shoveled it up over everything. It stays in play off the glass, back to the line, Myers with a shot, he scores! Phil Myers hands it with his third goal in the playoffs, and the Flyers survive game two. They get the series tied at one. And welcome to your Wednesday, August 27th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. We're presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Flyers come off a 4-3 to overtime win. None of us wanted that game to go to overtime, especially after jumping out to a 3 nothing lead. But that's what was in the cards. And the Flyers pulled it out. And the great news is this. It's not just that the series is tied at 1. It's that... They had to go through adversity to still come away with the win. And here's what I mean. When Elaine Vigneault challenges the tying goal by Jean-Gabriel Pajot, he challenges that knowing in his mind it's offsides. And I don't know what happened with the referees. They said that the player bringing the puck in the zone didn't have didn't touch the puck until the player exited the zone. But even though he forced the puck in on a stick handle, that is still deemed control which is part of the rule but anyway I digress we can parse that all we want but the important thing is is this is you had to put that behind you with two minutes and nine seconds to go in the game kill off a penalty because you challenged the call and it wasn't overturned you do that you get it to overtime and then you make quick work of the opposition in overtime and for the last two episodes of Flyers Daily and I know a lot of people have hit me on Twitter about this That with the back-to-back situation in Games 2 and Games 3, and the the example I was using was if the Flyers bounced back in Game 2 and had a really good performance and were able to dictate in the game and maybe exercise some of the demons that they've been dealing with with a lack of goal scoring in particular from their top players, if they were able to do that and even the series, then they could conceivably take momentum and ride it game-to-game where in a normal series, after a second game, you can. And the reason why you can is because usually you're changing venues, which they're not doing now because they're in a bubble city in a neutral site, um, and they're usually not playing back-to-back days. Momentum is fleeting from game to game, and it's fleeting because there's usually always a day between the games, a chance to regroup. That's a heartbreaking way for the Islanders to lose, to battle back from 3 nothing to get the game tied into overtime and then to lose it in overtime is something the Flyers have to use to gain momentum in their direction and push it into today's game by virtue of the fact that it happened just 26 hours before puck drop coming up this evening. That is, it kind of, it didn't work out exactly how I 
proposed it where I said they could win four to one and, and have a full 60 minute effort. But they did exercise a lot of the demons that they've been dealing with, and they end up beating the Islanders in heartbreak fashion, which is a way that they can carry momentum. Will it work? We'll find out tonight. Uh, that's my theory, at least. And once again, for the 10th time now, the Flyers have bounced back after a loss. And while after game one, some people were hitting me on social media and saying, stop bringing up the thing from they haven't lost back-to-back games since January, blah, blah, blah. Until they lose back-to-back games, I don't hit the panic button. Now, they're going to have to win back-to-back games to win this series since they lost game to one. But that isn't possible. That, But that is possible beginning today. They now have an opportunity to take a 2-1 to series lead with a game again tonight. And that's great news for Flyer fans. Phil Myers on the overtime goal. Tremendous. Um, first of all, the work that Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, and Jake Voracek did that led to that goal the pressure that they provided on that shift. While Phil Myers got the goal, every player on that line deserves deserves a point because they all had a hand in it. And that's what we want to see. Even though Couturier got a little too high on what turned out to be the game-tying goal by Pajot, and that puck was kept in the zone, and he was a little too high for that um, that rim up the boards by Travis Sanheim, he answered. He got an assist on the game-winning goal. He scored a goal. That's great news. I thought Giroux looked the best he's looked in a long time offensively. Very decisive. Great passes. Trying things and executing plays like the pass to the redirect pass to Sean Couturier on his goal. I thought he had a couple good cross-ice passes to Jake Voracek that generated good opportunities. And, and what can you say about Kevin Hayes? The first two goals of the game go short side on Varlamov both, both goals. And the reason why he's able to do that is really simple. Because he's got a guy driving net front. On the first one, it was Giroux driving the slot, therefore making himself an object, a player that Varlamov has to consider. Therefore, a slight lean. And when a goalie has a slight lean, that opens up enough for a shooter like Kevin Hayes on the short side. And when a goalie's opening up that slight lean, here's kind of the mentality of the goalie on that. When he sees that player and he sees him in his peripheral vision, and he sees Giroux on that first goal and Albe Kubel on the second, he knows that I may have to get over for a cross-ice pass opportunity. So what he does in this situation, as they're coming down on his right side, Varlamov's right side, his blocker side, so that's his short side, he starts to load on his right leg. And what I mean by load is he starts to dig an edge and get ready for a push across to be there for a one-time shot off a pass across the slot. And as soon as you begin to load and you feel that, it minimizes your ability on that side of the your body, your right side, he's loading on his right leg, his blocker side, to then react. And Kevin Hayes took advantage of it twice. Great goal scorers see when a goalie begins to load. They don't even know, I don't even know that they know they see it, but they sense it. They can tell it's happening, and that's when he decides to shoot, go short side, and he catches them. Both times. All right, let's get to the business on this game day episode of Flyers Daily. He scored the game winner last night. I had a chance to catch up with Phil Myers yesterday, about 90 minutes after the game. And here's our conversation. Happy to have join us right now on Flyers Daily after scoring uh, the game winning goal at 240 of the overtime period. Flyers defenseman Phil Myers joins us. Phil, um, a couple hours now after the game or 90 minutes after the game, uh, is the body still buzzing? from scoring an overtime winner in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, I mean, man, what a feeling. It's uh, 
definitely the biggest goal of my career so far. And, um, you know, I was trying to keep it simple there and happy that they went in. Phil, um, as kids growing up playing a sport, you, you, whether it's baseball, you want to hit the game winning home run and basketball hit the last second shot and hockey. It's to score the overtime goal. If if you're a forward or a skater, if you will, um, have you had a chance to reflect on that part of it? Because, you know, getting to the NHL is one thing. You were undrafted and getting the NHL is one thing. Playing in the playoffs and having some success and, and scoring, you've done that. But this is different. This is the, the winner in an overtime game, the even a series at one. Have you had any chance to reflect on it at this point? Uh, I mean, it's only been a couple hours uh, <laughs> since the game ended there. But, uh, I mean, yeah, um, a lot of emotions right now and, a little bit of adrenaline too. Um, you know, obviously it was a big goal. Um, you dream of that as a kid. Uh, and, you know, I'm just happy I could, you know, help the team win and, you know, tie this thing up at one. In the third period, you, you had a nice uh, opportunity. And I think you just about knocked the net off the moorings with hitting the post as hard as you hit it. Uh, that one doesn't go. Uh, for, for you, you're a guy that likes to – you've been taking a lot of shots, especially inside the bubble – um, was it just a thing for you just to, hey, let's straight line this thing. And if I get an opportunity to bomb one, I'm going to do it. And that's what, that's kind of how it broke down for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think back when I was in the American league, when times weren't going so well, um, you know, I just had to keep it simple and, you know, put everything on net. But obviously if there's a play to make, make it. And, um, you know, that's when I started, you know, heating up and playing well. So, you know, I was just, you know, sort of having that same mentality, just try to keep it simple and not try to do too much out there and, uh, you know, put pucks on net. And, um, you know, that's what I did. I had the lane there and I tried to get it off as quick as possible. And, you know, I'm just happy to see that one going. Um, let me ask you, because playoff games can be a big time range of emotions. And you just say, you know, you're, you're, it's only been a little while since the game that we're talking. But um, what was different before the game today? Because you guys in that first period were absolutely buzzing. You come out with a 3 nothing lead. What do you felt was different kind of in your intensity as a group from the outset? Yeah, I think, you know, as a group, we weren't really happy with our performance there um, in game one. And, you know, we have great leadership in that room. A lot of guys that have been around, um, you know, we just knew that it was a, a must-win game for us. And, you know, we came out firing, you know, and, uh, uh yeah, we we just knew it was a must win, and you know we came out in the first and executed. So um, we'll take it. The Islanders are obviously a good team. You knew there was going to be pushback. They started a little bit of pushback in the second period, and then uh, they end up tying it in the third. Um, Elaine Vigneault challenges that goal that they scored by uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot um, for offsides, and and I'm looking at the play film. I'm going, it looks offsides. I see the stills. It looks clearly offsides. Um, what was the explanation on the ice? Did did they review the wrong element of that? Did they review the the off the skate of Pellick to JG Pajot, or did they review the zone entry, which is what I believe Elaine was trying to challenge? Yeah, I know. I, I think they definitely did review the right play. Um, what we were told was that Bailey hadn't touched the puck when. Uh, I can't remember who it was, was still in the zone until he got out. So he did bring the puck back in, but the puck didn't touch his stick until it was out of the zone. You know, it was a bit of a weird call. Uh, you know, 
Uh, That's deemed possession, though, by the rule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I know. I, I, that's what we were told, though. But you know, I don't really know what to think of it. Well, well that, so. that's see, that's an interesting element, though, for you guys psychologically. So that happens. You feel like it was all sides. You got to kill off a penalty with just over two minutes left in the game. You guys do that. You get it to overtime. Uh, what was what was said in the room before the overtime for you guys? Look, we, we dealt with this. We're here. Maybe we just got to win it anyway. Yeah, just. You know, keep it simple, put pucks on net, and, um, you know, just one shot is all we need to win it. And, you know, just go out there and play your game, basically. And, you know, that's what we did, and we'll take the win. Um, Phil, um, the, it's a back-to-back situation now. And I'm tr- I've am i been trying to, like, to figure out the psychology of this, but there's not much to draw on because the NHL doesn't play back-to-backs in the playoffs in normal years. This is obviously not normal. There's no travel. There's no change of venue after two games and none of that stuff to kind of reset and free focus. Um, get winning this game in overtime and having a game tomorrow in just 26 hours from when this one ended, uh, can that be an advantage for you guys? Um, yeah. I mean, we, I think we're just going to go into tomorrow's game with a little bit of momentum going and, um, you know, it, it sucks losing in overtime and, um, you know, we know the Islanders are going are gonna to bounce back tomorrow. So, you know, we're just going to try to go into tomorrow's game with a little bit of momentum there and um, forget about tonight's game and just, you know, be ready for tomorrow because we know, that we know they're going to push back. You know, they're a real good team and uh, we'll be ready for it. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I, I've been kind of beating that drum that if you win game two and I didn't even have the overtime as part of the equation. That does suck battling back from down three goals, getting to overtime. And then you guys made quick work of them in the overtime to ride that momentum in what is normally a circumstance that doesn't happen. Phil, I appreciate you doing this, man. Great job uh, in the game today. I know it's a big win for the group. And, you know, 1-1 in the series feels a hell of a lot better than 0-2. Best of luck coming up uh, in the game uh, later this afternoon is when people will hear this. But I appreciate you doing this and good luck coming up in game three. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Special thanks to Phil Myers for joining us just uh, about 90 minutes after scoring the game winner in a playoff game. Can't imagine the feeling that kind of when the dust settles, what that feels like to be able to win a Stanley Cup playoff game in overtime, uh, especially to even a series at one game. Very important game for the Flyers. Let's get to some Twitter questions. All right, here we go. Let's start with this one. Greg K tweets in, GCobbs26. He says, uh, at Jason Murr. That's where you can hit me on Twitter, by the way. He said, so the gut feeling I had was the Flyers were going to blow that three-goal lead, and they did. He said, but my question is, this is a momentum killer for the Islanders to come back from 3 nothing just to lose it in overtime, or is this huge for the top guys, and does it appear they are riding the ship? Um, I think a couple things I talked about at the beginning of the episode. I think the fact that, look, if it would have been a 4-1 win and the Islanders never had a sniff, I think that that's a good way to win the game as well. But more deflating for a team when there's a back-to-back the next day is absolutely fighting down, fighting back from down 3 nothing to get it to overtime with just a 2 minutes and 9 seconds left, having a power play to win it in regulation because Elaine Vigneault challenged the game-tying goal and not executing on it to, t- to take the lead and not even let the game get to overtime for the Islanders. And then to lose it at 240 into the overtime is way more deflating than losing it 4-1, to one, and it's way more deflating uh, than any other scenario I can think of. The Flyers have to use that as uh, a way to build momentum in this series, and it's, it's not often you can build momentum in a series, uh, but this is an opportunity that, for them now to do that. Now they have to go about tonight 
and take care of business and dictate the terms like they did in the first period yesterday and not let the Islanders up off the mat. Burke Ricchetti tweets in and he says, is winning an OT better than eking out a win in regulation because they can ride the high of a big goal into game three in 24 hours? Surviving regulation could have been almost a downer. It's a great point. It's kind of the point that I'm making. And I think a lot of people are seeing it that way. Now, look, we're seeing it through a flyer's lens, no doubt about it. And that makes sense. Uh, But we'll find out today. Um, The Egg tweets in, the Egg and a bunch of numbers. He said, there are stretches where it seems to me that the Flyers lack a strong presence in front of the net, uh, a la uh, Tim Kerr, John LeClaire, Mike Knubel, Wayne Simmons. Wow, some great names there. Um, Do you think this needs to be addressed? JVR looks like he gets knocked around way too easily. Um, JVR is a good net front guy because he's got really good hands, the Egg. But um, I, I don't know that they have a guy that fits that bill other than maybe Kevin Hayes. That's a true net front guy, but he doesn't really play a net front game. Um, I, I get what you're saying, and I, I definitely do not fully disagree with you. Uh, I just don't know that they have that guy available to deploy in that way. Now, that being said, they do need to put guys around the crease and disrupt the goalie. They got all their goals off rushes in this game. The three goals uh, in regulation, the Couturier goal was a one-on-one that he just beat his guy and was able to outweigh Varlamov. And then the other two goals are odd man rushes, one off a turnover, the second one by Kevin Hayes, but both off a two-on-one where he opted to shoot and got the better of the goaltender. Uh, Bill Leonard tweets in. He says, Jason, does Lots get back in? If so, who comes out? Uh, I don't think that he does in a back-to-back, although he could because it's a back-to-back. Um, I guess James Van Riemsdyk could come out, but I thought James showed a lot of compete in this game. Uh, he didn't have many good scoring chances. I thought he was good in the neutral zone defensively. But, again, you don't put James in, JVR in for defensive purposes. But um, he could put Lawton back in the lineup uh, in that role of uh, third or fourth liner as a winger. And I guess the guy that would come out would probably be James Van Riemsdyk. And maybe he wants to do that to put a guy that didn't play in the game 26 hours before the game starts tonight with fresher legs. Yeah, that could that could be going to the thinking. It's a good point. Nick tweets in. He says, "Do you expect a letdown tomorrow from the Flyers after an emotional roller coaster of a game today?" No, I think I think a, a loss in overtime affects the team that loses more than it affects the team that wins. Um, I, I think that well, it affects the team that wins, but it can affect that team in a positive way if they go out and they, especially if they start the game well. If they start the game well and they can jump out to a lead again. Then the Isles are kind of going, oh, geez, we battled all the way back yesterday from down 3 nothing, only to lose in overtime. Flyers have to use that to their advantage. Uh, at Mark Gunner tweets in, he says, do you think AV is thinking too much about matchups and not enough about what lines are playing well and which aren't, and will he ever shorten his bench? Um, well, I don't expect him to shorten his bench today in a back-to-back, but I don't think he's – I don't feel like he's thinking too much about matchups. I think that's important because you see – that you need to have the right guys on the ice when that Barzell line's out there because Barzell is dynamic offensively. You don't you want to be cognizant of those matchups. If not, you pay a price. Got this question from a couple people. Todd Lambert uh, tweets it in as well and says, who starts tomorrow in net for the Flyers, Hart or Elliott? I, I imagine it'll be Hart. Um, he had a decent workload, not a tremendous amount. He's a young guy in tremendous conditioning. Uh, it's a massively important game. I think that he goes with Hart. As for the Islanders, it's simple because they got Varlamov out of there uh, with a little bit of time left in the first period and, and went to Thomas Grice. Uh, even though Grice only gave up the one goal, they'll go Varlamov. He'll be rested and he'll be looking for redemption after having a shutout streak 
uh, of 138 minutes, basically, um, disrupted by the Flyers in that first period early when Kevin Hayes scored that goal. Sean Williamson says, do you see Coots and Hayes' performance rubbing off on their teammates? Absolutely. Look, I thought the, the, the Couturier line with Giroux and Voracek was excellent the entire game. And Giroux, to me, looked really, really comfortable. He was making the kind of plays that we're so used to seeing him make with look like he wasn't fighting the puck. He was seeing the ice well. The, the little deflection pass that he makes to Couturier on his goal at his own blue line as they're stretching the ice is a play that looks very simple, but it's not. You need to deflect that puck to the perfect spot so Couturier can skate into it. And the reason why Couturier had success in the one-on-one with the Islanders' defenseman on that play is because he's doing it with a full head of steam because Giroux laid a, a perfect pass out there for him to skate into. I think that's a big part of it. Um, at 1965CJW on Twitter. you got to get more creative with your name, brother. Uh, he says, I'm a huge Giroux fan, as most of us are on Flyers Twitter. Is it fair to say that nobody on the Flyers has played up to their potential yet these playoffs? Giroux's been good in spots, robbed of a couple goals and as well a couple of assists, but he seems off. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't think that he looked completely comfortable prior to this game. In this game, uh, game two, I thought he looked great. I thought the whole line looked great. They looked like they just they weren't thinking on the ice. I think... Sometimes when you watch a game, you can feel like you can. players are second-guessing themselves or they don't commit to the pass the way they should because they're thinking. And you cannot play the sport of hockey, any sport, at a professional level if you're thinking. It has to be instinctual. That line looked instinctual to me. The Hayes-Konechny line looked instinctual. So that's a great sign. Um is it a harbinger of things to come? We hope so, and we'll find out tonight. We don't have to wait around a lot. Uh, I usually don't like back-to-back games in the playoffs, but in this situation, I can't wait for tonight. I think the Flyers have such a tremendous opportunity coming off an overtime win to grab hold of this series with a win tonight that I cannot wait for the game tonight. All right, that's going to put a wrap on Twitter questions and put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily, which is brought to you by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center, supporting our Flyers. Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research, doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. Everybody, thanks to everybody for tweeting in. You can tweet the show at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. Thanks to Phil Myers for joining us. Thanks to you for listening. And we'll have another brand new episode tomorrow. Will the Flyers have a two games to one series lead or will they be looking to rebound from a loss once again. They've done it 10 times since early January. Well, we'll tune in tomorrow on Flyers Daily, and we'll have those answers and many more. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. Here we go!